Hey everyone, welcome to season three of the Teams with Edge podcast with me, your host, Ashley Livingstone. I'm an entrepreneur, community advocate, and like you, I'm a leader who is learning and growing every day. I've worked with a lot of teams and leaders over the years. I've really seen what works and unfortunately, what hurts. Right now, we are going through a massive shift in the workplace with the great resignation, remote work, hybrid work, diversity and inclusion, and overall sense of overwhelm and burnout. As leaders, it's easy to get lost in the many competing needs for your time. I'm here to help you navigate your way through these waters, to present ideas to inspire and motivate, ultimately to help you create a thriving, sustainable culture which inspires your team and helps your business succeed. So let's get to it. Welcome to this week's episode of Teams with Edge. Today I have a special guest, a very fun, um, lovable person who I enjoy so much. Sarah Ernest is with us. She is the Director of Philanthropy and Communications with the YWCA in Hamilton. Sarah is a dynamic leader, a skilled communicator, an experienced fundraiser, and a passionate everything, but mostly passionate advocate for women and girls. With over 14 years experience raising funds and awareness in the YWCA and YMCA movements, Sarah has held multiple roles at associations in Halifax, Silicon Valley, and Hamilton. Sarah joins YWCA Hamilton from her previous role as Director of Philanthropy at YWCA Silicon Valley in San Jose, California where she led a $3 million campaign in the competitive Bay Area market. She is also an amazing leader, and she has excelled in all of her roles and has actively mentored, encouraged, and advocated for her employees, colleagues, and those most vulnerable. She is also known for her love of her two dogs and her creativity and focused efforts on curating a culture of philanthropy. Welcome, Sarah. Woohoo! Hi, Ashley. I am excited for this conversation. Um, you and I have already been chatting offline for like 20 minutes because that's just who we are. Um, all my rules of time management uh, go out the window when I'm with you. <laughs> I'm glad I'm the one that breaks those rules with you. It's a, it's a good sign. We it is a fun. good sign. Yes. So, okay. So we are going to chat all things leadership. I... I have seen you lead. I've been around you as you're leading. Um, but let's like get into it first. Kind of what drives what drives you? Oh, huh, what drives me? Um, well, I would say just this sounds really like basic, but just making change and doing good um, in the community. I have my own experiences as a as a person growing up and experiencing different issues. And I personally was someone who benefited from social service organizations and uh, organizations like the YWCA, like the YMCA. I was a kid who needed those services and supports and my family too. So um, for me, it's like giving, I need to give back. I need to, um, you know, pass the torch forward and do what I can to make my community a little bit better. 
Love that. And you know what? I think, you know, through your passion, anyone who knows you, I'm sure describes you as like a, a ball of energy, um, <laughs> but also just very passionate and very authentic. And I think that that's one of the reasons why I'm so like attracted to you and we get along so well because you're just you. Yeah. And you bring out that authenticity and those around you as well. So how, I don't want to be like, how do you do it? But <laughs> I mean, how, where does that internal self-esteem or self-confidence really start from? Yeah, I haven't always, like, I've always been me, obviously. And like, I, I'm known as often being like the hype woman. Um, I've, I've also been told I may have a tad bit of toxic positivity at times, <laughs> but that's okay. We'll just cruise by that one. Um, but I think like it's my background and like just growing up and the way I engaged in community and in sport, um, it was all centered around teamwork, athletics. I was a, a competitive cheerleader for 16 years. I coached, I judged. Um, so it was like really um, coming together and having camaraderie with other people to work toward a common goal. And that's where I really like got my confidence in, in speaking with folks, standing in front of, you know, 30 high school girls who are not listening to you because they're chatting about their day at school and we need them to practice, um, you know, projecting and like having a presence. I really learned from sport, but then um, coming into my career, I struggled like hard. I think like a lot of people and, you know, what you think in certain professions, especially you're supposed to act and sound and be a certain way. Um, and I tried to be a certain way for some time in my history and it was not good. It did not feel good. Um, it was, it wasn't good for me. It really sucked to be honest. I, you know, as a fundraiser, I remember reading this article once and it was like, if you're a fundraiser, you shouldn't uh, wear colorful socks because when you're in a donor meeting, they may look at your socks and then you could redirect the conversation about you. And I remember that like, <laughs> they're so stupid and it stuck with me because I'm like, well, but if I'm in a fundraising meeting and building relationships with someone that I hope will get as excited about a cause that I am, that will build an authentic bond because of who we are. And then that will hopefully entice them to get involved, right? Like, why wouldn't I wear my colorful socks? If I really like colorful socks, that's, that's what I'm going to do. I, you know what, it's so funny to say that because, well, you know, my background also started off in like fundraising in a very, I'm going to say stuffy tucked in way. Yeah. And it was the same thing. It was yeah. fundraisers must hug all the donors. Yeah, no. Fundraisers must listen to everything that the donors are saying. Like, don't talk about yourself, talk about them. And it was like, wow. So essentially, I I describe that time in my life as essentially being a Stepford wife. Oh my God, totally. And yeah. and yeah, you just go in, you be a robot and yeah. you build what they think our authentic relationships and yeah. you are like, you know, nothing about me. Totally. Yeah. It's transactional and it's surface level mm -hmm. and it's feeding someone's ego for a, a very quick transaction to hopefully earn a, a reward. Right. And like mm -hmm. fundraising is a long game. 
you build relationships and you know they they evolve and grow over time and if you're someone who's super passionate about something as you should be at least i hope if you're in the fundraising sector you should hopefully care about what it is that you're you know raising funds for but um, that should show through because that passion and enthusiasm um, it's contagious and other people are like, wow, like if they're that excited about this work, I want to be part of that. Like, what am I missing out on? Like that hopefully should bring people in. Well, and I find so because I've been in that sector for so long, when I started working with more corporate clients, I realized that was the piece that was missing. Yeah. is fundraising organizations, they're passionate. They really understand their why. They understand what they're doing, who they're doing it for, why it's so important. And they build relationships, right? Those that understand it's a long game yeah. are really focused on relationships. And then you look at the corporate world and that, while that seems so obvious, it's so missing. Yeah. And it goes back to being very transactional of like, okay, well, yeah. that employee doesn't work. No problem. They're replaceable. Oh, yeah. that client didn't renew with me. No problem. I'll just go get a hustle for another one. And it's almost like it's just a transactional world. And yeah. we see through fundraising how powerful relationships can be. Yeah. Yeah. It needs to be authentic. It needs to be, and it needs to feel good. Mm -hmm. and feel right right like the 101 both of ways. fundraising exactly both ways not just oh here donor let me oh you may give us three million dollars let me get your coffee and ask you how your grandchildren are doing but I hold on I don't remember their names because I don't actually care so I need to look up in Razor's Edge to try to find mm -hmm. the notes to see who <laughs> like no it should, it should be reciprocal mutual respect and you should genuinely um, you know, appreciate each other for what you have to offer. There's, yeah. I feel too, like there's, um, there's always folks you don't click with right away, right? It's yeah. bound to happen. Not, you can't, everyone can't fall in love with you and that's okay. Um, so too, being mindful of like the strengths of others on your team and their vibes and how to match them up appropriately with mm -hmm. other donors or prospects with similar energy or similar interests like some setting them up to connect with someone else based on similarities, passions, something that's authentic. I think that's like important to be mindful of as well, because you just might not be the right fit for everyone. And yeah. that's fine. It will. And I think that that's like a huge piece of your leadership style or this like approach of empowering your team, because so many leaders want to hold the control, right? They want. Yeah. They want, I almost feel like they're addicted to busy. They're addicted to the burden of needing to do it all. And then their team is sitting there going, use hey. us. Hi. <laughs> so that approach of, you know, giving to your team and delegating to your team, how have you seen that difference like show up for your team and in, in that being able to empower them versus kind of, I don't want to say hoard it for yourself. Yeah, but. yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, it's, um, so I'm a huge fan. Um, it's called strength-based leadership or strength-based model. Um, so it's like, you're really intentional about focusing on an individual person's strengths, not their deficits, not their weaknesses, throw them out the window. They don't matter here. Um, so it's really focusing on like who you are authentically as an individual, um, 
even if you weren't here at work, like who, who are you? What's your thing? What's your jam? Um, and it really is a, a counter approach to our culture and the way that, you know, schools are structured, uh, structured um, our workplaces are structured with performance evaluations and things like that, where it's a negative um, association or orientation to, you know what I mean, to like mainstream. Mm -hmm. So, um, so think like, okay, think, think of it this way. And then I'll tell you, we do this on our team and kind of share a bit about that. But so when I was in school, I was awful at math, right? I was, I, I was awful. Yes, I'm a fundraiser. I have a team who's good at counting up all the numbers of the money that we raise, but I don't <laughs> get it away from me. This is, I don't want to do that. I want to ask for the money. I want to have fun. Um, and y'all who are good at math, go. Um, but I sucked at math, <laughs> right? I sucked at math. And um, naturally, what do we do if our kids are not great at something? We, we tell them to pull up their socks, right? Get, get, it, get a tutor, study harder stay late at school, do whatever you have to do, of course, to pass um, or to be essentially mediocre in, a, in yeah. a subject. So, right. So I, the way I think of strength-based leadership is rather than me sucking at math and staying late and getting a 50% and busting it to get that, what if I channeled my energy into something I really cared about and was naturally good at, like creative writing? Mm -hmm. which I love, right? And, and I'm in communications and all I do is I write, 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 write. So I think that's a good way to like frame what the model is for strength-based leadership. Um, and just like, this isn't a thing I made up. So it, it's through Gallup. Um, they, they did a research study, surveyed uh, a million work teams to 20,000 in-depth interviews and 50 years of polling. And by doing this in workplaces, they found that uh, when you focus on people's strengths and who they are as a person, it comes with their individual growth, career satisfaction, increased confidence. Um, it comes with higher retention at work and engagement at work. Um, and when you don't, when you focus on someone's weaknesses and, you know, you need to do better at this, their productivity dwindles, they might be feeling checked out, you're going to start to lose people. So my, my vibe is like, when we hire and build our team at YWCA Hamilton within my department, part of the onboarding process is, here's your book, go take this quiz, it's part of your onboarding. Um, share back with us. We have a, a method to this. What are your top five strengths? Mm -hmm. um, they complete that. We add it to our team's strength grid. So then we are able to actually like see the ebb and flow of our team as we welcome new members um, and see like, how are we different now? What, what new opportunities have now presented itself? Because we have someone who's like really good at whatever they're really good at like excel. it really changes the dynamic <laughs> what i said excel spreadsheet no. <laughs> yes, like mel gosha on my team yeah she's, she's amazing excel master like mel gosha please help me I, I i broke this thing again i messed up the formula i don't know what to do please it's just like oh stare okay and i know one of her strengths is is input 
And so she is a master at Excel, but she also loves to guide and provide assistance and support to people who are experiencing Excel crashes and difficulties. <laughs> but that's amazing. And having that overall picture so that when, and I think this is like a big conversation that so many organizations don't have, but when people leave, yeah, because they leave, right? Like oh, people yeah. end They're up leaving. leaving. It's not, and it's not always about you. It's yeah. about other opportunity and growth um, or just whatever. But when they leave, then you can say, okay, now we're missing this. Let's yes. hire people who have these skills yeah. and strengths so that we can complement our team again. But so often people hire based on the job description, totally. yeah. not the strengths. Yep. 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 And so I know too that, and we've chatted about this, you know, the whole idea about growing your team. And I don't yeah. necessarily mean in like size, yep. adding numbers to your team, but growing the people into new roles. And that whole idea of like building loyalty and retention yeah. by promoting within. So yeah. how does this like um, approach, yeah, this strength-based leadership, how does that feed into promoting and building um, the leadership capacity yeah. within? Yeah. 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 It's a great question. And it's like super timely because like you said, everyone right now since 2021, it's the right great resignation, yep. the great reshuffle, the big quit, the great quit. There's all these words. Yes, people are exiting employment, upper, like where they've been employed for years and years and years. They're leaving. Mm -hmm. um, so it's really timely to think about, okay, these are the incredible folks we currently have. How do we um, work with them to encourage their leadership, their development, um, to where they can see themselves growing within their position. Um, and sometimes there's not anywhere to grow, right? There may be places to grow in terms of like a wage band, but maybe they're looking at moving up into uh, getting supervisory experience or mm -hmm. becoming a manager. Um, so part of what we've been really focusing on is like understanding our, our team's individual strengths. Um, like you said, help build loyalty. They're, they're, if, people feel seen in their work, they're going to want to stay because they, they will enjoy working there that much more um, if they're, right, if they're doing the things that they love and, and they feel like they're being seen. So I feel like with, um, with our team in particular, like we have really incredible um, training opportunities across the, the broader organization, um, but mentorship is, is big, um, developing leadership skills, mentorship, and really I think the key is like going back to the, you can't do it all alone. Mm -hmm. um, trust your team, people, like trust your staff. That's it. It's very easy. You have to trust them, um, allow them to flourish and excel in their individual portfolios um, and give them the space to do that. Right. Like I, I feel like now it's more, um, more important because we're in this, I don't even want to say post-COVID because it's still COVID, right? It's like COVID here and COVID there and kind of not COVID over here, but we're, <laughs> we're, we're all around. 
it's everywhere. It still won't go away. But like we have all had to rethink how we lead over the last two years. And and what we used to do didn't work anymore. We couldn't come in the office and have all of our folks, you know, working in cubicles. We we couldn't do that anymore. So we had to shift really quickly to figuring out remote work. And I had a really uh, great conversation with um, a woman who I love and know well, um, Barb Wakefield. Shout out, Barb. Um, She is, (laughs) yes, I'm shamelessly shouting out, Barb. Um, So she's an incredible human. She is a um, a tech executive at Hewlett Packard in Silicon Valley. And when the pandemic was happening, I talked to her about this. It's like, how do I motivate my team? And how do we do this when we're all at home in our bubbles Mm -hmm. and fragmented? You know, before I and I, we would have a win and I'd run down the cubicles and I would do a happy dance and I would do high fives and we would all cheer. We even had like a bell that we would ring when we landed a a donation and we all would cheer. So it's like, how do you, um, how do you keep that going, that camaraderie going? And she, she kind of laughed and she's like, she shared that, you know, tech, not to say we're tech because we're clearly not Silicon Valley in Hamilton and in YWC Hamilton, but to leverage like technology and to work remotely. And the key is to shift the way in which we measure success, right? So like put the full accountability on your team, have clear KPIs, have clear, right? Like how do we demonstrate success within our individual portfolios? Work with your coordinators or whoever on that. Build that. I'll pass that to them. This is how we measure success. And however they do that is up to them, right? Like if you want to go for a walk and enjoy it, lay in the grass at 11 a.m. If you don't have a meeting or an obligation, please go lay in the grass. Go smell the flowers. Like if you're getting your stuff in on time, perfect. We all we all win. So I think about that is like it goes back to trusting in your team, allowing people to be successful and to truly lead and own their work. Um, and to be also like in order to make that happen is looking at your policies, how you work as an organization, your departments, like are they are they truly accommodating um, to this style of of work, mm-hmm. right? Like your work from home policies. Um, yeah, the, the majority of my whole team is women. Yeah. Right. And and the majority of staff at our YWCA are women. They've been dealing with childcare over the last two and a half years, right? Balancing childcare, balancing work. Um, so I think it's like acknowledging and giving the flexibility for individual accommodation. Right. Is so important. And I so I I totally agree. So this is like everything you're saying, I'm completely aligned with. And then I know. Like I know, and you know, we know specific leaders out there who are like, nah, everyone back in the office, nine to five. If your butt's not in that office chair, I don't know that you're not working. And the, I'm going to be checking in on you and no, you can't. What, where did you go at lunchtime? And they're, they, they went back. Yeah. Like my mind is blown, blown (laughs) that they have gone back. It's, it's, 
but the, and yes, they have, they've gone back and staff will also, so to clarify as well, it is completely sector and profession dependent on Absolutely. if you are privileged enough in your role to be able to work from home, right? Like we know that's not the reality for everyone. You have childcare workers need to be in a classroom, like folks in homeless shelters, like they need to be at work. But yes, those, but let's also be clear. Those people were working the whole time, the whole time. Yeah. So yes, yes, they yes, did yes. get to go home and work. Right. And I say all of that very loaded. Yeah. Um, but those that did for two yeah. years. Yeah. 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 Who, this is who did. Yeah. And now yeah. they're it's, being like dragged back. Yeah. I, I think that's like, well, that that's too bad. Um, I feel like the job market is so because people are leaving and there's so many vacancies and employers are in many uh, spaces quite desperate. <laughs> um, people aren't going to have a difficult time finding new employment um, should they their existing employer not align with their their accommodation expectations or hopes. Um, but at the end of the day, it's like it might not, you might not be able to do a clear cut across the board for everyone. Like we're all 100% remote now. Um, like entertain a hybrid, you know, a hybrid opportunity or look at an individual accommodation. Why, Ashley, why does remote work appeal to you? What is it that you really need to move forward in a positive way and, you know, continue employment with us? Oh, I, I'm having trouble picking up my kid at three o'clock and I can't have meetings, right? Like I can't have yeah. meetings at this time. Well, great. We're going to do our best to like, <laughs> just exactly. I, I, I have the conversation. I think that's the other piece is, yes. you know, when you are a leader who has created that like safety and trust within your team, your team is more willing to then share with you what's working for them and what's not working for them yeah, and like where they need support. And, and that's what I see so much as like a big barrier is that there's a bunch of leaders out there who's like, well, my team's not saying anything. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Have yeah. you asked them? And yeah. do they do feel comfortable and safe to tell exactly. you the truth? Yeah, exactly. Because if I go back in time to when I worked for the Stuffy Hospital <laughs> Foundation, I wouldn't have said anything. Yep. I yeah. absolutely would not have said anything because I didn't feel safe to say something. Yeah. And you know, you, it had you perhaps said something, you would have been penalized or there would have been absolutely. a problem. You would have been labeled a problem person. And <laughs> I remember going good. on vacation and getting in trouble for actually going on vacation yeah. and not bringing my phone with me. Yeah. Like that. So I feel like that whole culture, um, you know, just obviously wasn't aligned for me in the, in the long term, but I was also younger and less sure of myself and was actually brought up in that culture. Yeah. So I feel like for leaders out there, you know, really being able to rely on your team and develop your team. Right. And I, you know, you didn't do this overnight. I think that's the other piece, right? That whole instant gratification of like, have it right now. No. So how have you gone about, like as a new person's coming onto your team, like how do you establish that trust and start building that that safety with for them? 
I, I think it like, again, it comes down to authenticity. Um, I have so much fun in interviews. Like I, I know I treat interviews. It's a marketing opportunity. Period. Both ways. Like, yeah. Totally. Both ways. Yes. And like, think of how many folks that you have the, you know, advantage of interviewing with and spending time with and to share your passion and enthusiasm about the work. And again, they're going to be like, whoa, like that, that's a cool place to work. I want I want to do whatever. I want to be part of this team. It's fun. But like, I think starting even there is like when, even before we welcome someone on our team, it's let's have a great interview. I, <laughs> you mentioned in my opening that I may have a lot of energy. Um, and <laughs> I mean, I'm it's so better happy. they know now. <laughs> well, exactly. This is what you're about to get yourself into. So are you ready? Um, but like, yeah, I feel, I feel like interview we have a lot of fun it's very authentic it's very informal my hope is to make someone feel have a laugh make some jokes like have them feel comfortable um move them through you know the process orientation onboarding we're very intentional about that on our team um we have really great i feel anyways onboarding plans they're meeting it, onboarding remotely is hard yeah. right and, and and the experience of a new person coming on a team hundred percent remote, they're not getting that opportunity to read the room, right? In an office space and like overhear certain conversations, which enable some context on a certain project or like seeing other staff, you know, go down the hallway and have like, they're not getting any of those opportunities. So you need to create them. Yeah, like you, you need to be to intentional be about you it. You have yeah. to be intentional and thoughtful and you have to create that for them. So I think the onboarding process, like we're really good at um, connecting people in with all of our department, which is a team of 13 um, leaders across other departments where we're marketing, communications, fundraising. We are um, to the service of other teams. Like that's why we're here is to serve them. Right. So right. they need to build relationships across the entire organization. So connecting folks there. Um, and I think just coming down to like being available um, always, no matter what. And I mean that with like still having boundaries, because like you said, you shouldn't go on vacation and have to have your phone on the whole time. But um, saying like, if you need help, you have a question. If you have a concern, if there's something like, can I do better? How can I do better? Give me feedback. I need it and I want it um, to create those spaces for people to come forward, I think is, is key. And, and don't just put your head down and plow through your work and assume everything's okay. Like check in with people. Yeah. I think those check-ins are really important. And, you know, especially during high stress, you know, intense deadline types, you know, we've worked together a couple of yeah. times now in like a high intense yeah. <laughs> situation um, with lots of curveballs thrown our way. But the nice part about like our relationship is that neither of us go to the next, like we're both like really calm when it comes to yeah. that. Totally. And I think we also, you know, enable and allow the team and the experts that we've surrounded ourselves by to do what they do best. That's right. Yeah. And I really love that, you know, so the last uh, project that we did together, there was like some, there was some like 
deep, couple little hiccups, a couple uh, little, hiccups, little moments, <laughs> but moments that we were learning from, and it could have gone one of two ways. And I remember, you know, the supplier that we were working with coming up and saying, like, thank you for being so patient with us, and thank you for um, allowing us the space to figure this out yeah. and not getting mad at us. Yeah, and it does nothing. It serves it no nothing. But yeah. most people's reaction is to blame and get angry and lash out. And so it takes a lot of that internal leadership as well to know how you react in those certain situations. Yeah. And I always believe in like, how are we going to maintain and grow relationships? And you are never yeah. going to maintain and grow a relationship if you are rude and mean and belittling. Yeah. Like, oh, totally. That's Are a full you, stop. Yeah. And think like, I am not, okay, hire people, vendors included, partners, whatever, like hire people who are smarter than you. Chances are, if you're hiring them, it's for something that you need support with, don't have the capacity for, or like you, you need extra help. You need assistance. You need someone to help you lead or be successful. So like at a moment of crisis, why would you take that away from the person that has the expertise in the area that you have hired them for to try to then take that on yourself? That makes no sense. Give people the space, the time they need to reflect, figure it out, clearly communicate. Of course, this is not okay, or this is what we need to work on, what have you, but like give folks the space to figure it out. And that goes for, you know, like we said, service providers, but staff too. Like, don't blame and shame your your team. If something happens, like give them the space. It's okay. We're all gonna fail sometimes. We're gonna screw up. It's part of the process. Um, one of my favorite things that you know I'm a huge fan of is innovation. Like mm. I want it, you know this actually, because I'm like, I'm always like, yeah, oh my god, well, next you year super different and weird and wild. we're gonna blow everyone's socks off with this new thing. Imagine. And then I start doing my production hands and yeah. painting the picture. But like, I don't know, it just give you need in order to innovate and in order to create those moments that people remember and dabble and experiment you're going to fail. It's part of the process. So like allow it to happen, learn from it, pick up your, your socks or whatever you call it. And yeah. Keep on. I also know. love having like a judgment free zone when it comes to that, because if you criticize or judge your team on a failed and I'm like, we're using the word fail, but I think it's more of like a learning. Yeah. Um, moment then they're not going to have the confidence to try again try again totally like why would they why yeah. would they run the risk of getting humiliated again yeah um so and, I and think do that it that's, together yeah I'm such a big believer too and again this is why we work well together in collaboration yeah and I think that we are so much stronger when we collaborate with people Totally. And you can see different sides and bring up other problems or solutions that you can't see yourself. Yeah. And as soon as you put yourself in a silo or, you know, quote unquote, stay in your lane. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. No, um, it's like, so like upsetting, but when you are, you know, in this tiny little box, yeah, 
um, you can't be creative. Yeah. You're stuck and you can yeah. only see your way and your way isn't the only way. And your way might be boring. Yeah. <laughs> like, 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 let's just say this. Your way also might be an awful idea. I've had moments <laughs> where I do my like, God, like team. Okay. Like, what about this? And they're just like, oh God, like, no, that's Sarah. It's not a good idea. Thank you for sharing, but here's why, here's what. <laughs> so I had a leader once who would do that. And then she would say, well, that's a thought. <laughs> okay. Well, okay. That's a thought. Well, that's a thought. Oh, that's interesting. Interesting. It's, interesting it's perspective. Too, right? Like, it's just fun. So why not, why wouldn't you do that? It, it makes so, unless you're trying to like hoard power and do things your own way. Um, but that's silly. And why would you do that? You yeah. get better outcomes to involve everyone, bring in their unique insight, their point of view, their expertise. Chances are you hired them, like I said, because they're better at you than something. Why wouldn't you listen to them? Or at least try. Yeah. Well, and I think it has a lot to do with kind of putting your ego aside and yeah. understanding this is not about you, right? Remembering again, why you're doing what you're doing, what's the outcome that your business or your organization is trying to do. If it is to serve someone else or give a client a better experience, you know, keep reminding yourself of that. Yeah. And, and what's the best way to give your client or to provide that service? Is it always on you? Is it no. actually the best way to do it if you are touching and doing everything and holding your team back? Or is it better when there's way more people yeah. contributing and, and excited about it, right? Yeah. Not well, not scared and unmotivated. Well, yeah. And again, back to the whole strength-based approach. And, and when people see themselves in the work and when they've had an opportunity to contribute as well, right? If you do a, a creative campaign, for example, and it was a collaborative a collaborative process like people are going to see their input in that project or whatever it is you've created they're going to be that much more excited to share it and mm -hmm. get other people involved and to own it and to talk about it if they've been part of the process so like yeah so I want to say something about that too because I hear you do this as well which I love because not all leaders do this is actually giving your team credit for those input. Oh, a hundred. Yes. Right. There's so many people that I've worked for Take and it. with who I have like given such great insight or we've created together. And then really it's them who are soaking getting, yeah, soaking it all up. And I get, there's a time and place for it, right? Not everyone can be the face of an organization, but knowing, like making sure that people know that your team like played a role, like, oh, this is so-and-so, the photographer who made this look amazing. And yes. oh, it was, you know, Sarah's brilliant idea to do it in orange instead of pink, like whatever it is, yeah. right? Like even just making mention, your yeah. team feels that they actually had an impact on the outcome and that totally. what they did mattered and you saw it. Totally. I love that you said that. That's totally true. 
I've been on the, the receiving end <laughs> in my 14 years of fundraising and previous, or not fundraising, but YWCA movement. Mm. Um, pre, you know, I started off in program, moved into fundraising, but during that time, I've been in rooms and in positions where I busted it. And I would say like did 99.99% of the work and had someone walk in accept a bouquet of flowers from the CEO in front of me, take all the credit, don't acknowledge my existence, right? And like, that is so gross. Like Mm -hmm. that just feels crappy for the other person. And it's gross. And like, acknowledging people's contributions will build their confidence. It feels good. Why wouldn't you do that? And it gives them the legs to stand on to go after it again in the future, maybe amp it up a notch because they know, okay, I did that and I was seen and it it happened. And, you know, in that achieve, one of my strengths is, is achiever and maximizer. So like use that to then encourage them to go further and to do better and to strive for more, like to innovate harder. Like it just makes sense. And it's, it's the right thing to do people. I know. It, it is the right thing. It's like we, if we could all just lead a little more with a little more kindness, yeah, and caring about other people, yeah. right? And I think we're shifting. I see it. I do like I see the shift, and I see the conversation, the priority that is being put on this. And I also see that there's so many leaders who are like, I don't know where to start. Yeah. Oh, this just this doesn't feel natural to me. This is another yeah. thing I hear a lot as like a barrier to taking action is, but that doesn't feel natural to me. It's like we have to learn these behaviors, right? Like you you learned, yeah, that first way. Now you need to learn yeah. a new way, yeah. and it's a, it's about adapting. Yeah, I really do believe that this is like adapting your leadership style to be relevant with the time. Yeah. And to be authentic to, to you also, because that's the difference, right. In terms of how you, how you feel, how, what you value, what this just popped (laughs) in my head and I'm a fan of just blurting things out, but like, I've always hated that saying where it's like, Oh, you have big shoes to fill. Like, Oh, welcome CEO. You have big shoes to fill. No, I'm bringing my own shoes. Thank you very much. They're, They're a brand new pair of shoes. They're bright and have sequences on them. Like these are my shoes. Those were that person's shoes. So like when we talk about leading authentically, it's like show up with your shoes, your own. Show up with your own shoes. Yeah. Show up with your own shoes. Don't try to put me in someone else's box or or former shadow or whatever. (laughs) Right? Right. No, 100%. Show up with your own shoes. Love it. I think that's a great place to end it. <laughs> Everyone, bring your own shoes to the Bring your own yes. shoes. Be yourself. Be yourself. And be yourself. And I'm going to assume that's a, like a decent human being. Hopefully. Yeah. I'm going to make the assumption that anyone listening to this. They're, podcast, decent. They're decent humans. You showing up as you is a kind human first leader. Sarah. What do you have going on? Um, I know you're on Instagram and tell us about YWCA and where people can, you know, get connected and see all the great things you and your team are doing for the community. 
Thank you, thank you. Me and my team and all of our teams across all of our departments are doing incredible things in the community. Um, but right now, one thing in particular that is a priority for us is our Women Build Hamilton campaign. We have launched a bold $5 million fundraising goal uh, to raise the remaining funds we need to build first of its kind affordable housing for women and women-led families in Hamilton. So that's the new Putman Family YWCA on Ottawa Street. We have already raised $3.81 million. So we need your help, Hamilton, Halton, everyone, your cat, your dog, your fish. We need all of your help to get to the finish line and fundraise our remaining amount. So womenbuildhamilton.com is our campaign website, or you can visit ywcahamilton.org to learn about all the great stuff we're doing. Amazing. Thank you so much, Sarah, for taking time out of your schedule to be here with us today. Of course. My pleasure. Thanks, Ashley. All right, all. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Thanks so much for listening. Now, if you liked what you heard, don't miss an episode. Subscribe to the Teams with Ed podcast on your favorite podcast player. While you're there, leave us a review. It helps others find us and helps us grow our community. We want to hear from you. Share with me, what are your goals as a leader? What are your struggles? How about your successes? If you're interested in coaching, have an idea for the podcast, or just want to chat about your business challenges, you can find me on Instagram, where I'm ashley.livingstone. That's A-S-H-L-E-E dot L-I-V-I-N-G-S-T-O-N-E. Or LinkedIn. Now, that's always Ashley with two E's. You can also find me through my website, ourforte.ca, O-U-R-F-O-R-T-E dot C-A. Thanks, everyone.